All right, so we are doing this series called For All People, um, and it was in that verse, Luke 2.10, where it says that Jesus came for all people. He was a gift to all people, and, um, and it's, it's something for everybody, 100% of people, and that's so great because um, he didn't come just for the people who, who could kind of get themselves cleaned up enough and together enough to, to accept his gift. He didn't just come for one certain group of people or, or one country or, or anything like that. But he came for everyone. He came to offer uh, this gift that he was going to give to all people, right? Everybody. And the Jews didn't um, totally understand that right at first, but eventually they figured it out. He didn't, it wasn't just for them, but it was, it was for every single person. Now, we don't always do a great job of looking at everyone the same way that Jesus, that God, sees people, right? Um, oftentimes, we, we look at people and we say, and we, we kind of make judgments. Oh, wow, that, that person... Is, is so much, you know, they have their life so much in, in more order than I do, or, or wow, that person is such a mess, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm not that way, right? Or, or I wish I was as good looking as that person was, or, or I'm glad I don't look like them, right? And, and you know, you're, you're thankful, or, you're, or you're, you're, you're comparing one way or the other, right? Oh, I, wish I, I wish I got those things, and even our kids do this, where, you know, they'll look at what they have, their toys, their, their items, and they say, oh, I wish I had my son it loves Pokemon cards, which is just foreign to me completely. But he's like, I wish I had this other kid's Pokemon card that he had because they're both made out of paper, but his looks cooler or something. I don't know how. I don't know what what that's all about. But um, but we don't do as good of a job of seeing everybody as equals as um, as as on the same playing field the way that God does, right? Because He sees each of us as either His children who He loves or as as, as his creation, who he loves and, and longs for us to, to choose to follow him so we can become his children, right? He, he sees us in, in those two groups, and, and we, don't, we don't always see people that way. And I think more times than not, we do the comparison of we look at what people are, are like and better than us, and we try to say, oh, I wish I, was, I wish I was there. I wish I had that, right? We see people's uh, posts on, on social media, on the Facebook or, or on the Instagrams, and we're and we're like, I wish that was me, right? I wish that I had that life. I wish, wish everything in my life was, was that perfect, right? Or we see um, celebrity. Everybody ever look at like, a, like celebrity homes? Like they, they'll say, oh, this celebrity's selling their house. Here's the listing. And you look at it and you're like, what in the world do they need all that stuff for and, and whatever? But you, you kind of just long for it, right? You kind of say, man, I wish, I wish that I had, you know, a, a jacuzzi like that or whatever. I don't know. Um, I don't ever wish that because, I, yeah. But um, anywho. Uh, you know, we think about these celebrities, and we think about how they are just so much more, you know, achieved than we are. And, and I mentioned um, when I preached last year sometime that I, I've, I've had a few celebrity encounters. Um, one that I mentioned specifically was Sinbad, right? You guys remember, and, and he's like, this is his time of year, Jingle All the Way. Um, that was his big movie, I think. That's the only one I know him from. Um, but I saw Sinbad in an airport, and um, the Detroit airport in the Burger King, if you don't remember, um, hopefully you remember because you took notes and wrote down that John met Sinbad. Um, but uh, it was in the Detroit airport Burger King, and I said, what's up, Sinbad? And he said, sup. And that was our moment. Um, and then I didn't want to bother him, though. He was eating a Whopper. Um, and, and so but I've had, I, I was a child then. That was like 1997. I was 11 years old, and, and I grew up quickly after that, and I realized actors and actresses aren't 
the, the, the special people that we make them out to be. They're no, they don't deserve the huge pedestal. They're just, they're just like us. Better, they're better at pretending, though. Um, but athletes, that's where it's at. These are superhumans. They can run super fast. They can jump higher. They can, you know, do all of these incredible things that, that normal people, like me, I couldn't do. And, and so I started, I started just, you know, kind of getting, being obsessed with athletics and with athletes. And, and when I would see them, I would be super excited. So um, I don't know if, um, you know what the GOAT means. Does anybody know what the GOAT means? The greatest of all time, I heard somebody say it. Um, when it comes to basketball, Michael Jordan was, is the GOAT, um, the greatest of all time. And I got to see Michael Jordan in person. He was not wearing a Bulls jersey. He was wearing a Wizards jersey, which was kind of sad. Um, but I still, it was still Michael Jordan. So I go to this game, and I sit there and watch him have the worst performance he's ever had up to that point in a game that he played the whole game. He scored six magical points, and he shot ten times, which was not ideal um, because he missed a lot of those shots. But still, I got to see Michael Jordan, and, and even if it wasn't as good as it could have been, that was awesome. I saw uh, also, in, in the year after I saw Sinbad at the Detroit airport, I saw Robert Tractor Trailer. Anybody know who Robert Tractor Trailer is, was? Yeah, Michigan fans probably raising their hands for sure. Um, man, this guy, I was so annoyed every time that he played because I always wanted Michigan to lose, and they didn't because he was really good. And I saw him at the airport, and I was with a bunch of people. We were going to, on a mission trip, and I said, that's Robert Tractor Trailer. And nobody else had any clue who it was, and so it wasn't that cool. Um, one other that I, that I had the, the fortune of, of seeing and meeting and have a little moment with, um, Rick Smits. Anybody know Rick Smits? Okay. Does anybody know where Rick Smits was born? The Netherlands. Who said that? You get a prize. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, I, don't, I don't see anything, but you get a prize. Um, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I can't give away a microphone. Um, but Rick Smits was from the Netherlands, and he was seven foot four inches tall right? Just a literal giant. And he was dubbed the Dunking Dutchman. And, um, and I saw him one time at like a, it was a, a Pacers game. They were honoring, it was Rick Smith's night. And so he was sitting at this table and there were tons of people in this huge line to get his autograph, which is autographs are a really weird thing too. You just, I want your, you to write something down on something. I don't know. Um, anyway, he, there's a huge line of people standing there. And a, one of my friends from the basketball team doesn't want to wait in line, and he just walks over and goes, Dutchman, and like for a pound it. And Rick Smith kind of reluctantly pounds it, and then he turns around, and Rick looks at me. We make eye contact, and he goes, like, who, who is this clown that just cut in front of everybody like he's a big deal and pounded it? And so we had a moment uh, again. <clears throat> but, um, but God looks at all of these, even these incredible celebrities that I've met, um, and probably the few that you have met that aren't as incredible as the ones that I have, um, he looks at them and he says, they're, they're equal, right? We are equal with them. There's, there's no difference in his eyes. We're all either his children or he hopes that we will eventually be his children or choose to, to be his children. doesn't matter if you're 7'4 or 4'7, um, he still loves you. It doesn't matter if you're American or, or a, a Dutchman or a Dutch woman or a Dutch boy. Um, or girl, he, he loves you. He, he, he sees you as the same. doesn't matter if you look like, like Brad Pitt or if you look like an armpit. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He sees you on the same 
playing field as everyone else. The gift of Jesus is for every single person. And this would have been a, a major um, difference in the mindset back then, right? Because these are, these are the Jewish people. They are God's chosen people, and they've known about this Messiah coming for a long time, right? And, and it, it, how, are, how are they going to say that, that everybody's the same when they're God's chosen people, right? And, and even with them, there was this huge, this huge barrier between them and God, right? There was anything that they wanted to do pertaining to God, they would go to the temple and offer sacrifices, and they would... They would do that through a priest who would kind of, you know, mediate for them between them and God. And, and in the temple, there was the, the Holy of Holies, where the place where God dwelled, and there was this big curtain that, that blocked it off from, from, so God was back here, and everybody else was out here, and, and only every once in a while, or I think, I don't know how often, maybe once a year, um, the high priest would, would go back there and offer sacrifices in this, in this special place. And, and as a tradition that, the, that they would do just out of, out of fear, they would say, I don't know uh, how this is going to go. Hopefully you're, you're, you're holy enough, you're good enough, you're clean enough to go back there, high priest. But if you're not, we don't want to go back there and, and try to get you out. So let's tie a rope around you. In case you see you're in God's presence and you drop dead, we can pull you out and, and not have to risk our own lives in going back there, right? This was, um, this was a, a, a huge division between God and people. And, and obviously when Jesus came, he, he, was, he was coming uh, to, to break down that barrier, to, um, to bring us closer to him. Right? Even though it does, it does kind of make sense how there's this division between God and us. We are feeble people. We, um, we are so desperate for, for just the, the, bare, the, the necessities of life. We have to sleep a certain amount. We have to eat. We have to drink water. We have to, you know, do these certain things just to stay alive. And, and God is supreme. And God is in charge of everything. And he's in complete control and he has so much more power than we can ever even imagine. And so this, this divide built up. But God didn't want that divide to be there. Um, and so if, we, if you turn to Matthew 1, 18, um, we're going to look at that account of, of Jesus coming to earth. Um, Luke 2 talks, or Luke talks, his account talks more about um, the angel visiting Mary and preparing her. Um, but we're going to look at, at this, which is, it kind of encapsulates the whole thing really, really quickly. Um, so Matthew 1, 18 through 24 says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. So this might be a somewhat familiar passage. Maybe you, you read it around Christmas time and, um, and hear about it, but just to kind of take a step back and break it down um, a little bit in, in, a, in a rough way. Um, so there's this young couple that's engaged to be married, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, an angel shows up to both of them at different times and says, congratulations, you're going to have a baby. And, um, and the angel didn't say this, and, and Mary and Joseph don't, don't mention it in this, but they all three knew people are 100% going to judge you guys, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a, of a rough go, right? 
um, congrats, you're having a baby. This baby is God, um, but things are going to be a little bit rough. You need to name him Jesus. He's going to save people from their sins. This is remarkable. Um, The fame of all mankind rests on him. Good luck, right? And if this was a normal young couple that's engaged, they had no idea just even what marriage was going to be and, you know, meaning for their, what what changes were going to take place in their lives just out of marriage and let alone throwing a baby in that was going to, that was Jesus, that was God. And, and, you know, I don't know what parenting God would look like, um, but I, I would imagine it wouldn't be super hard because he probably didn't do a lot of things that needed discipline or, um, or needed corrected, but also he was probably looking at them a lot of times like, really, are you really wanting to do that? Like, do you think that's a good idea? Like he was, their roles were maybe a little bit reversed, but, but anyway, um, when God gives you an outrageous call, like he gave to Mary and Joseph, where he says, hey, I, I have this, this plan for you, and this, this baby is going to be, he's going to save the world, right? And uh, it was probably pretty overwhelming for them, but a, a pastor that I um, grew up knowing, he was, he was uh, the, the one we'd go visit on, on the mission trips in Mexico when we would go um, year after year, he would always say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If God's going to call you to something, if he has something planned for you, he better take care of, of, the, of preparing you for it, of the resource part, and and he's not going to let you down, right? If it's his will, he's going to make sure that you're capable. And so for Mary and Joseph, he gave them whatever tools were needed to make sure that Jesus was taken care of, to make sure that um, Jesus grew up the right way, to make sure that they had everything that they needed and, um, and, and things like that. So, um, so Emmanuel, and he was, he was God with us is what this verse says. The, the angel says he will be called Emmanuel, right? Not his actual name, Emmanuel, but people will call him is what the verse says. People will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? Which, was, which is explaining this whole phenomenon that God is so separate. God is so much above. He's better than us in every single way, and yet he's with us, right? This is God, but he's with us. This is strange because God's not supposed to be with us. He's supposed to be above us, but he's here. He's, he's with us. How great is that? Um, the, the verse also mentions Isaiah, the prophet. Um, Isaiah seven fourteen is is where it says, um, recaps the verse in, in Matthew. Uh, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Um, this was written about 700 years prior to Jesus' arrival. And so, you know, th- this has been talked about for a long time. People knew it was coming. There was excitement that was, that was building and there was probably excitement that was waning. Is this really ever going to happen? Is this, is this something that, that we can still, we're, we've been talking about this forever. Is the Messiah ever even going to come? Um, and they, they were expecting it in a, in a different way than a baby. But let's look at Luke 2 um, where some, some shepherds are the first to find out. And this is, this is right after Jesus is born. Um, we, we heard, um, read this morning when, when they, um, Jesus was born, they wrapped him in cloth. Um, this is Luke 2, 8 through 20. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Real quick, um, the angels knew how to hype up a crowd, right? They had the, they had the shepherds here, 
Um, they were building excitement. They had the light show going. They had, they had music. They had chanting. Um, we actually had uh, this last Tuesday, we had team night, and we kind of did a lot of the same things. We had the lights were kind of exciting. We had music and singing. We had chanting. Um, when Chris Mullins would, uh, he won the stud. We have a, a stud award that we give out. He was the stud server. Um, and, and so when he won it, we all chanted stud at him. Um, and it's, <laughs> so it's hard to explain really quick, but it was really cool. Just trust me. Um, and it was just a, it was a really fun night. It is, it is tons of fun. It's our, it's our, we've, we talked about it for a while. It's our night where we get everybody together and, and celebrate those who are serving and helping. And, and really we're all, we're all on this team together, right? It's team night. We're all on this team with the same intentions, hopefully. And that's furthering God's, God's kingdom, God's, um, God's initiative here on earth, reaching the lost. And, and we're a team doing that. And so, um, anyway, the next one's going to be in March. Don't miss it. I'm sure that there will be more chanting and more music and more lights. Um, it'll be great. Um, anyway, verse 15 going on says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what, that, what this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had, uh, had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. So these shepherds hear this amazing news, this great news of God, that, hey, the Messiah is here, this baby, you can find him, he's, he's nearby, right? How these shepherds were probably, they weren't, they weren't right, they weren't the high-class people in society. I bet there were a lot of people who would walk past them and not give them the time of day or, or talk with them at all. And yet, this was an angel that showed up to them, that visited them, that, that thought enough of them to, to show up. And they were probably just amazed. An angel? Why did the angel come to us? This is incredible. And wait, they're the Messiah that we've been talking about, that's even better. He's, he's in town. Let's go visit him. And they went and saw him, and they and they, they, they got, you know, they met Mary and Joseph, and they saw this new Messiah, and, and they were like, I'm sure they were confused. Like, Why is it a baby? I thought it was going to be a king. That's okay. That's what the angel said. This is going to be great. Um, I can't believe this. Let's go tell everybody. And they went around that night waking people up saying, hey, the Messiah's here. Come and see him. I bet this, this was just chaos out there. Um, and and they, were, they were excited because God had left heaven and come to be with us, right? God left the perfect of heaven. He left all of the, the, the joy and the happiness and, and the constant good of heaven to come to earth and, and it's, you know, to, to live with people and to be, be human and live with humans, things can get messy. Things can get hard. I mean, he, he dealt with pain. He dealt with disappointment. Um, he dealt with, with sadness. He dealt with all the things that we deal with and, and yet he chose to do that. He chose to leave heaven to do that and it wasn't just because he wanted to try something new. It was because he loved us, and he cared enough about us to walk out of heaven and, and come here to be with us, to live this perfect life, to, um, to be who we needed him to be, right? Um, and, and the shepherds, they're seeing Jesus there in front of them. They're seeing the Messiah there, and, and I'm sure that they were just blown away. And in Scripture, you can see sometimes the people who, who get it, right, who understand that this is the Messiah, because as Jesus was growing up, as he was um, in his ministry years, like, not everybody figured it out. But the ones who did, you could see they were like, wait, that you're, that's you? The disciples, there were people that, 
that he healed. There were, um, there were a lot of his followers that, that, okay, wait, you're the Messiah. And they, and they got to this place where they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever you say. Well, this is awesome. I can't believe you're here. You're God, but you're here, you're here with me. You're here um, with us. And, and, he, and he lived that perfect life. And, and eventually, knowing this, that he, this was going to happen, he, he allowed himself to be arrested and killed for us. Right? And in that process, the, the curtain that we talked about between the Holy of Holies where, where God dwelled and, and the rest of, of people was torn. And, and, it, and it, he, he conquered, the, he bridged this gap for people. Um, he made this division go away between us and God. And, and then he was resurrected after three days. And he, and he hung out with people and he, and he talked with people and he ate with people and he drank with people and, and, and spent time with them and appeared to lots and lots of people saying, look, I've conquered death. And I'm going to do this for you, too. Um, and then in, in Matthew 28, he, he gives us a, a mission um, with him. He says in, in 19 through 20, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Right? Because his physical Emmanuel, God with us, that ended. Right? But his spiritual, his his still being with us is still today. That's still for each one of us. He is still God with us. Um, that's why we can have the boldness to, to go the places that he's called us to go. That's why when he, when he does call us to outrageous things, we can say, yes, God, I'm going to do that. And we can take f- steps in faith going that direction. Um, because God is with us, right? And we, and we should be willing to do anything that he's called us to do. Um, as we get kind of ready to close this morning, um, I want to look at, at, at Matthew 10 because it doesn't always, um, it does, it's not always like he's with us and so nothing can hurt us and nothing can, um, you know, he, he's got our backs and, and we'll have the perfect lives that, that anybody's ever had. And, um, you know, there's, there's going to be pain. There's going to be, be trouble in this life. Um, he's preparing his followers for this in Matthew 10. He's about to send them out to go um, to try to reach people, right, to try to spread the good news, to try to, um, to tell people about God. And he says, preparing them, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For this will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you. See, God wasn't going to abandon them. He wasn't saying everything's going to be perfect, but he's saying even when things get hard, even when things get bad, I'm going to be there with you. And I'm going to be helping you, and I'm going to be assisting you in every way that I can, and you're going to make it because I'm, I'm giving you this gift, right? And this gift that I'm giving you is so much better than, than what they can take away from you, right? If you keep reading in Matthew 10, he talks about how um, don't fear the people who can, who can merely kill you, you know, Understand, God has the power so much greater than that. Be on his team, right? Be with him, and he'll be with you. And don't, don't worry about what people do. Don't worry about what, how they try to act and, and put you down. We have nothing to fear because God's in control, complete control of our lives, and he's for us. He wants good for us. He wants success for us, right? He wants your happiness. He wants your joy, right? This is the time of year where we talk about joy, and, and we talk about, um, about, you know, last week Pastor Kedrick talked about um, about the joy of this season, and he wants that for us. And so if we say yes and we follow him, that's what he's going to provide. That's what he's going to bring, even if it doesn't look maybe necessarily exactly the way 
that we envisioned it. Um, he wants our joy, right? Um, as we do uh, close this, this morning, we've got to go back to the goat, right? What does the goat mean again? We're, gonna, we're all going to know this by the end. Greatest of all time. Yes, so Michael Jordan, the goat, and people try to debate that, um, but they lose because he is the, the greatest. Um, he played basketball, was really, really good. Okay, if you don't know anything about basketball, he was just really, really good. And, and then when he hit his prime, his peak, um, in 1991, 1992, 1993, the Bulls won the, the NBA Finals, the championship. They beat some, some Hall of Famers. They beat some superstars in those years. And, and it wasn't even that close. Like, nobody really took them. There was one time they went to a Game 7. I did some research this week. And, and anyway, it wasn't, they, they just pounded everybody, right? Um, and then Michael Jordan steps away from basketball, and he goes and plays baseball, because why not? And, um, and the Bulls, they have the same roster. Well, they make the playoffs, but they weren't very good, and they got beat pretty quick. Um, and, and then Michael Jordan's like, okay, I'm not great at baseball. Let's stick with what I'm good at. And he comes back, and guess what happens the next three years? They win the finals every year again. They beat all of these great teams, all of these Hall of Famers, and, and they just crush everybody, right? And, and the, the moral of the story is after he left the third, the second time, they were the worst team in the league, right? And, and Michael Jordan is so, so, so far down from God, right? And I, so that's, that's the analogy here, but it breaks down when you really start to look at it. But those guys on that court looking at, at, the, other, at the other team saying, wow, your whole team is better than our whole team, but he's with us. But we, we've got Michael Jordan. We've got the GOAT. And... I bet they felt so much confidence and so much just, you can't, you, we're going to win every single game because we have him on our team. He's with us. This guy, this guy's on my team. When, um, when he scores, that's a point for me too. And, and so they had this confidence. And that's the way that we should kind of go through our lives living is, okay, you're going to try to put me down. That's okay. That's okay. Jesus is on my team. And, and he wins in the end. And, and he is the one who, who passes out blessing and and passes out peace that no one can understand. And he's the one who gives out joy. And you know what? He created me and knows exactly what makes me tick and what makes me happy and what makes me fulfilled. And so I'm going to stick with him because since he knows those things, he's going he's to provide me with those things. Right? We don't need to walk around arrogant and, and boastful in that as in kind of being a jerk about it. But we can walk around with, a, with a, an excitement, a pride in saying, Jesus is on my team. He loves me. He died for me. How great is this, right? This is, this is God, and he's with us. He's with, he's with me. And, and so with, because of that, I can do anything that I set my mind to, right? That's the attitude we should have. Let's close. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that, that you will help us see all of the times that you're with us. God, that you will help us to see your presence with us in everything that we do. God, I pray that, um, that you'll watch over us in times where um, where, we're, where we're tempted to, to take shortcuts or, um, or do the wrong thing. God, that you'll, you'll remind us that, that we can choose you and follow you in every situation, every time. God, that, that you've got our backs, that, um, that you're there for us. And God, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. God, this time of year is so special, and, um, and it's all because we're celebrating your son coming to earth, leaving heaven, stepping out of that, that perfect place and coming here with us to eventually die for us and, and give us the gift of life. God, we are so thankful for it. In your name we pray. Amen.